Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Sound means <laughs> those dulcet keys and yeah, and the way. Oh, oh, no, there we go. Oh, gotta go. Here we go. Here's the part where it really gets interesting. That's you yeah, got socks the bottom, and I got food. Oh, 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 hey, it's a ridiculous Louis. history. You're yeah. Ben, I'm Noel. These are the Kingsmen. This is Louie Louie. Here we are. Wow. What a day. What a time to be alive. And that music comes to us, of course, courtesy of our super producer, Casey Pegram. Whew. But Noel, why are we playing Louie Louie today? Because you see, Ben, Louis Louis has a bit of a sordid past. The song, this version in particular, by the Kingsmen, in that it was investigated by none other than the Federal Bureau of Investigation for being potentially obscene. And if you couldn't tell by our rambling sing-along at the beginning of the show, this is kind of a bit of a joke because you can't really understand a word these guys are saying. Right. The FBI did not just give this a cursory investigation. They investigated this particular version of the song. It is not, as some people believe, the original version of the song. It's a cover. And they investigated the Kingsman version for two years, specifically. It's crazy. Yeah, specifically the lyrics of the song, which might sound kind of crazy and a, a weird order of priorities for the FBI, but it's actually part of their job to fight obscenity. They take these kinds of complaints from uh, angry, waspy, middle-class mothers very seriously. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly what kicked off this investigation, my friend. Right. They received a letter from someone at Sarasota High School who said the lyrics to the song were, quote, 
so filthy that I cannot endorse them in this letter. We all know there is obscene materials available for those who seek it, but when they start sneaking in this material in the guise of the latest teenage rock and roll hit record, these morons have gone too far. Oh, these morons. Well, who, which morons? You're talking about, like, the purveyors of said smut? I guess so. Some the, international conspiracy. The to, guys in the band? To spread dirty words. Who were the guys in the band? What's the history of the Kingsman? Excellent question, Noel. The Kingsman uh, were, or excuse me, they're still around, uh, a garage rock band from Portland, Oregon. And the guy who ended up singing this version of Louie Louie that we opened the show with was invited to the band in 1959. I believe he got the boot pretty Mm -hmm. shortly after. Yeah, he didn't sing on all their songs, but he did sing on the one that I I would say they're most well-known for this song. Would you agree? I certainly don't know them for anything else, yeah. (laughs) And it's interesting, too, because this band does live on, this particular version uh, of this song, as an influence from for a lot of, like, kind of grungy, garagey, punk-type stuff, everything from, like, Black Flag to Iggy Pop. And we'll uh, we'll get into a little bit more of that, the, that kind of rock and roll history connection a little further down the line. So the original Kingsmen um, were Don Gallucci, Jack Eli, who was the singer in question, Lynn Easton, Mike Mitchell, and Bob Norby. And these fellas uh, booked a recording session at a studio in Portland, Oregon, uh, which was at Northwest 13th Avenue and Burnside Street, And it was a little bit of an odd setup, wasn't it, Ben? It was, Noel. Uh, First, we should establish the session only cost 50 bucks. The band split it amongst themselves. Because they didn't have a label. They were just doing this on spec, right? Right. And uh, their producer for the session was a guy named Ken Chase, a local radio personality uh, at a station called uh, 91KISN, or wait for it, Kissin'. Uh, he uh, he also owned a nightclub where the Kingsmen regularly performed. So he was the producer, and that was their connect, that was their in. Their actual audio engineer was the guy who owned the studio, whose name was Robert Lindahl. And uh, apparently he had some really particular ideas about how the studio should be set up. You can hear Jack Eli uh, explaining some of the physicalities of the room. Um, let's... Let's just throw to a clip of him. In his own words. In order to capture what Ken thought was the live sound, he had us set up in a circle with me standing in the middle, uh, singing into the mic. And and it still didn't sound quite right. He had us run through about eight bars or so, and it still didn't sound quite right to him. So he had uh, a technician come in and take the mic and put it on a boom and stick it up at at the ceiling. That's about a 15-foot ceiling. So the mic was hanging probably... I don't know, 18 to 24 inches off the ceiling, and I was directly under it, leaning my head back, yelling up at this mic. Well, it didn't have anything to do really with how far the mic was away from me. What it really had to do with is how words get enunciated when your head's tipped all the way back and you're yelling up. Because, you see, Louie, Louie, didn't come out like Louie, Louie, I would say it when I'm standing facing normal, when my head's all stretched up and back. Yeah. It came out, Louie, Louie. <laughs> so eventually, long story short, they end up putting these microphones on the ceiling, and it's like 15 feet high. I don't quite understand the uh, function of that. I read somewhere saying, so it would sound like a live concert, but it was like... 
It's li- is it literally a one mic setup? That's like cause I, it's so funny when you hear the recording. Yeah, it's it sounds you know kind of raunchy and lo-fi, but there's pretty good separation. Um, but that vocal is what really stands out because it does sound very low in the mix. So I imagine it had to have been a very minimally mic situation where this mic was a high, and apparently he had to crane his neck at like a forty-five degree angle. Yeah, and kind of shout sing mm-hmm. up and up into the air to get over the din of the of the band and the drummer is just pounding away it's just like wailing. yeah yeah he uh he, he does mention that it's difficult to enunciate in a normal way when you have your neck physically positioned to aim in a shout at the ceiling because he's also shouting to be heard over the music and he had braces that had just been tightened <laughs> And that's such a such a funny detail. Such a strange aspect to the story. For anyone interested, you can also go on YouTube and see some early live appearances. There are the Kingsmen are on a show called Shindig, and it's much easier to hear what Jack is saying, or we should say rather to discern what Jack is saying. But most people, let's be honest, they, they're not going to be watching that live version. They're going to listen to the iconic. That's right. And I'll tell you, man, Shindig was a pretty risque show at the time because I swear some of these gals are showing Shin. It's happening. <laughs> you know, when they're cutting their rugs, you know. Mm-hmm. And so this, this song, it hits the charts, but it doesn't quite get to number one. And I think there's a, a story that, that you found particularly fascinating about the song that beat it. Yeah, it's a little weird kind of melancholy aside, but um, why not? We're all about little asides. Um, it's, a sh- it's a song called Dominique, um, and it is a French-language song, which is so interesting to me that that topped the charts. And you may have heard this song if you watched the show American Horror Story, specifically the Asylum season. Dominique, Nicanique, s'en allait tout simplement au Dieu. You might remember this is the one that Sister Jude was the only song that she approved of. And there's an interesting reason behind it. There's a great article on Noisy called What You Didn't Know About That Song You Hear on American Horror Story Every Week from back when this uh, show was current. So the woman um, credited with this hit was a Belgian singer by the name of Janine Deckers, and she went by the name The Singing Nun, or uh, I'm going to need you to help me out with this, Casey. Casey on the case. Yeah, that would be pronounced Sir Surrier, which is Sister Smile in French. Sister Smile. Ladies and gentlemen, Casey on the case. So she's Sister Smile, 
Uh, in, or AKA the singing nun, AKA Janine Deckers. And the singing nun in English speaking countries. That's primarily. right. That's right. Uh, and this song was a huge hit. It was number one. It totally bumped the, it didn't give the Kingsman a chance for some, it's just crazy to me that this song was such a massive hit. Uh, and, and it's so kind of more or less forgotten now, you know, mm-hmm. compared to Louie Louie, which is iconic in, in many ways. It was, uh, it was an interesting it was an interesting year for music. This is specifically uh, 1963, right? That's right. Yeah, it was interesting because we've got one song that's entirely in French and then one song that is considered more or less largely unintelligible. But there's a little more to the story of The Singing Nun. There is. Um, one of the interesting things that this Noisy article points out is that Dominique, uh, the saint in question, um, was the founder of the particular religious order that brought about the Spanish Inquisition. So that goes hand in hand with uh, some of the grisliness on American Horror Story. And this is interesting. Um, this Janine Decker ended up uh, having a, a female partner um, back during a time where open you know, homosexuality was just very, very taboo. And she ended up signing or agreeing to a suicide pact with her. And in 1985, when they were still together, um, they overdosed on barbiturates together and left a note that said, we have reached the end spiritually and financially, mm-hmm. and now we go to God. And that was, uh, her partner was Annie Petcher. That's right. Who was, uh, I think, a, li- a little bit younger, but they had a very deep and loving relationship. And no, it's such a sad story, but I think so interesting. It's absolutely worth mentioning. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes. You heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh boy, have I ever been. (laughs) Well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. 
With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Back to the Kingsman. There's a fantastic article in The New Yorker by Anwin Crawford called Is This the Dirtiest Song of the 60s? And again, for... For uh, at least two years, the FBI certainly thought so. So Robert Kennedy it gets involved in this because he— The Robert Kennedy? The Robert Kennedy because he receives letters personally complaining about the song's possible or perceived obscenity once it blows up and it's number two on the Billboard single chart. And a father of a teenage girl in particular— Writing to Kennedy said, this land of ours is headed for an extreme state of moral degradation. And people started sending in various versions of what they perceived the lyrics to be. And they're pretty, they're pretty filthy. Have you read some of oh, them? Oh, I have. And yeah. it just goes to show that like the most puritanical seeming mind can still be in the gutter when you think you're trying to find filth everywhere. Yeah. Because that's the thing. This is such a Rorschach test kind of thing for me because the lyrics really are utter gobbledygook. Right, you could uh, you could read the real lyrics. You can catch uh, a word if, here and there. Yeah. If you if you haven't seen the real lyrics yet, then do check them out. But wait till the end of this podcast. Just keep go with us a little bit further. We promise it's worth it. Uh, some of the perceived lyrics or the the lyrics that people thought they were hearing are things like. Uh, We'll have to do an edited version of this, but every night and day, I play with my thing, bleep your girl, all kinds of ways. All the ways. <laughs> Multitudes, six, right? Six ways to Sunday, as they say. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, too, because when uh, this really starts to heat up and this investigation is going on, apparently the, what do they call them, G-men, right? Sure. They'd go to the clubs and and see... Uh, the band and try to lips like read their lips or whatever to try to like see what the secret lyrics were. I just think this is such a funny witch hunt kind of situation. Yeah, because J. Edgar Hoover was involved. Man, he was on the case. <laughs> Didn't like, they have other stuff to do in nineteen sixty three? So this intense concern on the part of the FBI even went to the levels of laboratory investigations. Right? They they played the record multiple times, sometimes at different speeds. That's right. Yeah. And um, it's crazy. You can actually get, like, there's a collection of memos on the FBI's website, vault.fbi.gov, louis-louis-the-song, slash louis-louis-the-song, slash view. And you can see this entire collection of every document associated with it, including the original complaints, uh, including the perceived lyrics and several other things, and including ultimately the fact that, yeah, there really wasn't anything there. It was a whole lot of ink spilt for nothing. And, and, And I'll tell you why. The original version of this song was written by a guy named uh, Richard Berry, um, and he was trying to capitalize on this, like, Calypso craze, you know, like mm-hmm. Harry Belafonte and, you know, 
come Mr. T- Mr. Tallyman, tally me banana and all that stuff, Deo. Um, so he sang this song in that style with kind of a fake Jamaican patois. Right. Can we hear a little clip of that? Sure. Something happened to Barry that was unfortunately common for a lot of musicians at this time. He signed away his rights to the song in 1959, so he was not widely associated with it, nor did he reap any profit. But you can agree, just with a, that cursory listen, it's a much different version. Isn't that correct? It's a much different version, and it also points out that the lyrics, if sung as written, are pretty benign. Um, there's a little talk of of the love of a lady, but it's all very, you know, gentlemanly. And it's about missing your gal when you're, when you're a sailor and you're, you're off to sea and, and waiting to get back to her. And it's all very romantic and not at all six ways to Sunday. Not at all untoward. And that, that goes back to what I was saying earlier about how you can see the Kingsman versions live when they're not shouting at the ceiling. Oh, did we also mention that when they were in the studio, uh, the engineer and producer had the entire band surround Jack Eli in a circle while they were wailing on that stuff. Yeah, it sounds like this guy <laughs> was not exactly a pro, but I think in those days there was a lot more like sharing microphones mm-hmm. and uh, just kind of like the, the the tiny desk concert treatment, right? Where right. You have that one mic and you arrange everybody so that you get a good spread of sound, but it's all going to this one um, capturing yeah. device. Yeah. The- Weird thing about this investigation, too, is you heard us mention the laboratory examinations. They did play the record at different speeds. They attempted to discern or divine a meaning that did not necessarily exist. And they found that even in their examination in an FBI lab, they found the lyrics still to be unintelligible, which I think is a bit um, a bit absurd, but even more absurd. At no time ever did they write to Jack Eli, the guy who sang the song. It was as simple as just asking him, hey, what is this? Yeah, exactly. And it did come out later from Eli himself when quizzed about this eventually that he that it was a faithful cover of of the uh, of the original version by Richard Berry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you didn't catch it and when we played it back, the lyrics to that are Louie Louie. Oh, baby, me me gotta go. Right. Uh, and then a fine little girl, she waits for me. Catch the ship across the sea. I sailed the ship all alone. I never think I'll make it home. You know? But that little one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three is just rife for just put in whatever syllables you want and, right. and just, just freestyle it, you know? And that riff, uh, that, that riff actually didn't come from Barry, did it? It didn't. It came from, what was it? A Cuban-American band leader named Rene Touze's tune, El Loco Cha-Cha. Yeah, his, his version had it played on piano mm-hmm. with, a, with a nice brass song, but even that song reputedly is based on another Cuban tune. Yeah, it's crazy how you see that happening um, with things kind of mutating over time or just being wholesale ripped off. 
and check out how still how square the government comes across at this point. Uncle Sam uh, reaches out through multiple institutions, not just the FBI. A guy named Ben F. Wapple, who I will reluctantly say go Ben's to because he doesn't sound like a bad person, just super confused. He wrote to Wand Records. He was the secretary of the Federal Communications Commission and uh, or FCC. He wrote in October of 1963 to the record company and asked whether even though unobjectionable lyrics were used in recording the song, there was improper motivation on the parts of the singers in making the recorded lyrics so unintelligible as to give rise to reports that they were obscene. Whoa, 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 whoa. America, get your mind out of the gutter is what I say to that. That's so ridiculous. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. How dare you shroud the content of your lyrics in mumbly, faraway recordedness because my mind is obviously going to turn them into smut. Right, and it's phrased in such a circuitous, unnecessarily verbose way. Yeah. That's the, that's, that's, it's like a conspiracy theory. He's asking them about a conspiracy. Uh, we also want to point out that Kingsman did not directly... They didn't see Barry's song and say, ah, that's mine now. Uh, they, they took it from another cover version by a group called The Wailers. Like Bob Marley and The Wailers? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, they, their version of the song came out in 1961. Oh, that's way earlier for, the, for, that, for them, Wailers. Different Wailers. <laughs> and again, you know, the Kingsmen here are not are not like the sharky people out to rip off and plagiarize. This is a song they heard on jukeboxes around Portland, and Jack Eli brought it to rehearsal because he thought it was cool. They were a house band. Oh, not to mention they are just a pack of dapper young lads, fresh-faced youths, looked like they'd be, you know, playing the Enchantment Under the Sea dance in Back to the Future. I mean, really clean cut. They do not look like some kind of you know, raunchy greasers. But it's cool, though, when you hear the recording, it has this fun, live, raw quality to it. Yeah. The way the vocals are recorded, the way the drums are so in your face, the way that keyboard sounds, that I understand what an influential recording this was, separated from all the controversy. Yeah, it's it's catchy. It's catchy enough that you don't have to speak English or know what they're saying to enjoy the actual song itself. Again, if you don't believe us and you think there is something a bit uh, sinister and raunchy about this song, please go check out their live performances. They're doing that little jaunty move the uh, where they go shoulder to shoulder up and down when, when they're singing or playing the way that a lot of 50s and 60s boy bands do. They're did. bopping. Yeah, they're bopping They're bopping. And it looks like the most innocuous thing. It looks it looks like a guy honestly it looks like a guy who has never been a sailor singing a song he heard about a girl from a sailor. Yeah. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24/7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes. You heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, Noel. 
Have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Well, Ben, I have a proposition for you. I think I can anticipate this proposition. What do you say we extend this conversation, widen this net with a little extra credit? Sounds great. This is our second time doing our extra credit segment. Which only the is, second time? Yeah, only the second time, which okay. is where we go uh, above and beyond and look to our wonderful friends, colleagues, and collaborators for some assistance. And friends, neighbors, we mention uh, one guy on our show quite a bit, uh, but you, you may be wondering if he's a real person or if we just made him up. Well, the rumors are true. He is real. We have him here today, friends and neighbors, Christopher Hasiotis. You guys, I, I am real. I've, <laughs> I've been sitting over there this whole time. He's been here. He's I've always been, in been that here. corner. He's like Jack Torrance in The Shining. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. just always been there. Wherever there's a need for research on a podcast, yeah, yeah. You're just I'll, be, I'll be there. I'll well, be there. We're lucky to have you as our research caretaker. I'm mm. happy to be here. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Now, off air, you reached out to us because this really uh, inspired you to dig into the story, right? Like, Louie Louie, I, I feel like it struck a personal chord with you. Well, I, in, a, in a past life, if I'm honest, I was a music journalist. And uh, that's not just an imaginary past life. That's a real past life. <laughs> in a lot of my career early on, I was out late at clubs, seeing rock bands, just kind of Soaking in music, I used to DJ, dance parties, and um, what? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, a past <laughs> life. But um, yeah. So I spent probably I don't know an hour more than I should have just digging deep into different versions of Louis Louis. 
because it's one of the most covered, most recorded songs out there, if not the most. And uh, I, I, honestly, I could have spent hours more doing it. But I thought I would bring you guys some of those versions. Oh. I'm sorry, I have to retroactively make a joke. This song must have actually struck three chords with you, A, D, and E minor. Is that what you were looking up? Yeah. It's <laughs> a good joke. That's yeah, good I joke. it was worth it. Uh, so, Christopher, as you know, since you were here the whole time, earlier we talked a little bit about the origins of Louis Louis, and I did not know it was so extensively covered until you showed us this um, astonishing list which has some surprising bands on it. Did you notice that, Noel? I did. I have a theory, though, because it's such an open-ended song that's three chords, and it's just easy to just kind of go to town on vocally, as evidenced by the Kingsman version, and why it was such a headache for the FBI, because this guy's just kind of like mumbling all this crazy stuff. It could be anything. I think it's got like an appeal where it's like, I want to do my own crazy rambling version of Louie Louie. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty basic song, and that goes back to actually its origins, which you guys talked about a little bit, but the origins of rock and roll mm-hmm. are in rhythm and blues and the African-American musical experience. But one of the most ridiculous things about rock history is the underexplored influence of Latin music on rock and roll. Usually, I would say Cuban-American music. Mm-hmm. So Richard Berry, who wrote Louie Louie back in 1955, he was at a club and he heard this band Ricky Riera and the Rhythm Rockers. Say it five times fast. <laughs> nope. Rick Riera. Rick, Ricky Riera and the Rhythm, Rhythm Rockers. Rockers. Mm-hmm. And they it. were playing a cover version of a song popular at the time in the mid-50s, a song by Rene Touze. It was called El Loco Cha-Cha. Mm-hmm. So I look at you guys. I think you're gentlemen of the world. You're probably skilled at ballroom dance. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you take your typical cha-cha mm-hmm. and – how does that go? You, you've got a one, one two, two cha, 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 three, four, and cha, 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 cha. Exactly. Now, what's really crazy, what's really loco, <laughs> what if you flipped it to cha, 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 one, two, cha, 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 three, four. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Genius. So uh, Flipping the script, making a whole new thing. Exactly. And and we've actually, we've got Rene Tuesday's version of El Loco Cha Cha. Maybe Casey can cue it up a bit. I would love to hear yeah. it in real time. Let's check it out. Mm, got that nice Latin cowbell action. I feel good for everybody listening. Uh, we all instantly started nodding. Oh, mm-hmm. hear that horn section? Yeah. Yeah, and so this is the tune that Richard Berry heard a cover version of. And the story goes he, he loved it so much that he said, I want to write a song to this tune. Which, you know, I guess you could do it the day. Yeah. So, just a very diplomatic way of saying, I'm going to have that. I like this. I don't want to work too hard. Right. So, I'm going to take this. Well, he wrote his own lyrics, though. He did. And reportedly, he wrote them that night at the club on either, depending on who you hear from, a napkin or a piece of toilet paper. Perhaps a matchbook. Yeah. I don't know. That's my version. We talked a little bit earlier in the show about the fact that there was this kind of uh, Calypso craze at the time that, that was hot business. And um, Barry, in addition to being having a, a, a very perceptive ear, picking up on something that he thought might hit, he also wanted to capitalize on this Calypso craze. And it totally works in that genre, especially the fact that he sang it with kind of a fake uh, Jamaican a patois, mm-hmm. right? right? Exactly. And that what we've confirmed, right? That yes. is absolutely an affectation. Correct. Yes. So 
in this strange agglomeration of what could be called uh, aggressive covering or uh, plagiarization, uh, we see a pattern that continues even to the modern day. What, what are some of the strangest covers you found? So there's a wide variety of covers of this song, from the traditional to the really kind of off the wall. Um, I wanted to start out with one that is from 1965. We're here in Georgia recording, so I thought I'd go with a Georgia recording artist, Mr. Otis Redding. Oh, yeah. All right. So you've got a kind of a really soulful R&B version of Louie Louie. Oh, I love me some Otis. Let's hear it. Ooh, buddy. Hmm. I like it. Interesting oh. little change up there. He's making it his own. He doesn't have to go. And he's doing a bit of a Louie Louie, yeah, mm -hmm. which I like. Yeah. Well, you see what I'm saying, though? Yeah. It's just rife for ad-libbing. Right. It's almost like a, a modern folk ballad where it seems no one really owns it and everyone makes it their own when they record it. Well, and one of the things I like about Louie Louie, and especially its tradition of having unintelligible lyrics to a certain degree, is... It, I think it really shines when the singer's voice itself just has a feeling. Mm -hmm. And I think that is, yeah. mm -hmm. I mean, Otis Redding, his voice, he could sing whatever, and clearly he is, and you just <laughs> feel it, you know? I mean, yeah. that's, Sing the phone book. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in the 60s, there are a lot of other covers of Louie Louie that kind of go along the same lines as the Kingsman version. You know, you've got the Trogs, uh, the Sonics do a much kind of dirtier garage rock version. Those are all great. But let's dive into one that's a little weirder. This is still sort of in the rock genre, but we've got a guy named Mike Deasy. Now, Mike Deasy, he's a studio pro. He's a guitar guy. Mm -hmm. So this guy has appeared on recordings by the Everly Brothers, by Richie Valens. He toured with the Coasters. He was in the Wrecking Crew, which was the famous recording band yeah. uh, who backed up recordings like Pet Sounds. He played on albums by the Monkees, by Michael Jackson, Frank Zappa, Sinatra, Streisand. This guy, Mike Deasy was one of the guitarists on the stage for Elvis Presley's 1968 comeback special, that TV special where yeah, he had the, 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 the black leather. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and Mike Deasy was one of the guitarists. So this guy, Mike, has a long career of backing up other folks. Mm -hmm. But in 1967, he put out his own solo album to show off his guitar virtuosity under the name Friar Tuck... <laughs> And his psychedelic guitar. I've got to scoot to the edge of my seat okay. for this one. Yeah. Casey, can, can you hit it for us? Oh, I love this already wow. so much. Oh, there we go. So it's 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 mellow. Mm -hmm. You can see me right now. I'm swaying back and forth with a goofy grin on my face. Noel looks dreamy. Oh, there we go. So it's got that sort of gauzy, psychedelic, oh, this crazy. Oh, this, this is, is right a up soundtrack my alley. Yeah. Yeah. This is right up my alley. I'm going to play this. Yeah. I think this is my favorite so far. Big yeah. time. I always want to hear up to the verse because everyone does their own thing. They change the lyrics. They do their own different cadence. I want to hear what this does with it. No, I think maybe they're not even, even going to do a verse. I love the finger picking too, you know? 
I mean, this is it's Friar Tuck and his psychedelic guitar, and I would totally recommend looking up this record online because the cover of the album is pretty stellar. Taylor yeah. looks like a total weirdo. I love yeah. the fact that there are no verses. It's all just vamps. It's about the experience. Yeah. No, this is dope. I love it. Yeah. I mean, again, the verses, if you can't understand them, do you need them? No. Right. Yeah. It's about the feeling. It's about the, the feeling. And, yeah. and it looks like you guys, to those of you listening who can't see, Noel and Ben are feeling this. Oh, I'm feeling it hard, buddy. Yeah, I think that's going to stay with me. I'm, I'm kind of sad that we I'm kind of sad that we can't just play that entire song <laughs> right now but but what's what's the next cover so here we're going to go for it a couple years we're still sticking in the 60s so 1969 the singer Julie London she is famously known for having this really kind of mellow affect uh really nice kind of soft hazy smoky vocals mm-hmm. and she put out a record called Yummy 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 in 1969 and her version of Louie Louie closes out that album and it's just got sort of a really quiet, uh, almost narcotic vibe going on. It's it's unlike most of the other versions you hear, which are a little more upbeat. Can I say, just before we roll this, you are doing a fantastic job curating this music for us. Uh, do, do you make mixtapes? I, I do make mixtapes, <laughs> mix CDs, all that, uh, <laughs> liner notes, whatever you need. Uh, were you a younger person and I a younger person I might you know put together a mixtape to try to woo you and these are the things a younger man does oh for uh, sure so yeah. it's had, the lost art the mixtape now it's just the Spotify playlist which isn't nearly as sexy but it still works you know oh yeah it's woo it's, it's woo worthy I used to uh, get uh, Smashing Pumpkins bootlegs in the mail I would trade with people on message boards and they would always take the rest of the tape that wasn't full of the bootleg and put filler songs mm-hmm. on it yeah. and that's how I learned about a lot of new music back in the day oh, was nice. from filler on uh, Smashing Pumpkins bootleg cassettes yeah. Yeah. alright well. but uh, yeah Casey can we can we hear the Julie London version from 69 oh already Yeah, dramatic. I was not expecting that, Christopher. Ben's eyebrows just arched up. Mm. There we go. I gotta go. Yeah. It's a little bit of a Dusty Springfield vibe. Dude, I was just about to say, I've been listening to nothing but Dusty in Memphis for the past couple weeks. So good. Very much so, yeah. It's almost got that kind of Nico narcotic kind of like yeah. hazy vibe. Well, here we go. I'll hear this first. I like how they're putting in almost any instrument they want here. It's amazing. Yeah, and I always really enjoy when a song will uh, will flip the gender. You know, she's singing about a boy across the sea as right. opposed to a girl. Yeah. And this feels very intimate. Yeah. You know, yeah. her voice feels very close. And but also very cinematic because it's like that schmaltzy, Burt Bacharacky kind of arrangement. And then her vocal is very front and center. Mm-hmm. Such a departure from the Kingsman where the mm-hmm. vocal's a mile away and completely unintelligible. I love this. Uh, let's, 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 let's go on. This is yeah, so this, cool. Yeah. So this next version, we're going back to the islands where the song kind of has its origins in that uh, crossing the sea, Calypso vibe. Toots and the Maytals are an acclaimed, iconic band from Jamaica from the 60s and the 70s. And this version from the early 70s, Toots Hibbert's just kind of, he, he just sings his heart out on this reggae, ska, and rock steady inspired version. 
Mm, let's hear it. There we go. Yeah. Just makes you want to kind of sit on a beach. Yeah. I want to leave the studio, hop on a plane, you know? Again, you can kind of just do whatever you want with the song yeah. and make it your own. It's very true. It's very it's true. It's a great vamp song. But yeah, we could stay here all day listening to all these <laughs> tunes. Oh, but, uh, let's, if only. I'm going to bring... Yeah. The next one is is a lot harsher. Great. It's a lot louder. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the reason I wanted to play this song for you, uh, it's by Iggy and the Stooges. Mm. So famously, Iggy Pop and his, and his band, Punk Pioneer. The reason I wanted to play this song... The version I'm going to play for you is off of the 1974 record Metallic KO, which mm. is a live album, and it's a live recording of the Stooges' last two shows ever mm. in Detroit. Um, they wouldn't play again together until they reunited, I don't know, 10 years ago or yeah, something. Yeah, I saw yeah. them on that tour at the 40 Watt in uh, oh, Athens, yeah. Georgia. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But the very last song they played at their very last show in the 70s was Louie Louie. And one thing that's particularly resonant about this song the Stooges have a personal connection to Louie Louie. It's not just that they love the song, although they love all that classic rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Dan Gallucci, who played keyboards on the Kingsman version of Louie Louie, he was kicked out of the band. He was too young to go on tour. That's what I heard. That's right. Yeah. yeah. His his parents would not let him go Ooh. out on tour from what I've um, read. Yeah, so Dan Gallucci, but, but he played keys on the recording. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What he ended up doing with his life, though, he was... A record producer. Yep. Yeah. For and Electra, he, right? Yeah, for Electra. And Electra put out a lot of the Stooges records. Dan Gallucci produced the Stooges Funhouse, which is an iconic, Big iconic time. album. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So they've got the Stooges have this personal connection to Louis Louis. Uh, the live version, they they get wild, they get raucous, they get pretty vulgar. Uh, you can find some some B-sides and some studio outtakes of a cleaner version, but I wanted to play this live version just because it was the very last song they played at their very last show. I'm going to stand up for this one. Yes! To me, this is like full circle back to the uh, the original version with the Kingsman. It's got that thrashy, bashy drum sound, that irreverent, snotty kind of vocal. Yeah, just and, really dirty, garage yeah. And didn't they purposely change the lyrics to uh, be offensive? Or yeah, we're going to have to fade this out pretty soon because oh, they no. do get pretty vulgar. <laughs> no, no, but... <laughs> let's let it ride. Oh. We'll give it a bleep. We'll give, we'll give it the bleep treatment. I want to hear it. So that's a taste of it. That's a taste. Well, what's funny is he's doing kind of the lyrics that the FBI said were the lyrics to the the song that they weren't. Exactly. Definitely doing something similar. Yeah, you think this is vulgar? Let's make it vulgar. Right. Which is smart. I think that's tremendously clever. So it sounds like we have time for just one more cover that might surprise some people. Yeah, we're going to go to 1983 Brooklyn for this one. We're going away from rock and roll, mm-hmm. and we're going to early rap. The Fat Boys. The year of uh, of my birth. Oh, the ha- Fat Boys. Happy birthday. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. Me too. I'm glad you're here. Oh, guys. Well, 
I'm glad we're going to listen to this song. The Fat Boys. <laughs> They're a Brooklyn trio, iconic rap group, kind of a jokey rap group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, they took a really meta approach to their version of Louie Louie. And uh, they talked about what we've been talking about for a while. Full circle, my friend. It's a party jam. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a banger. I was talking with my mom's about music one day. She told me about this song called She was my age, called the big ass rumble. They thought it was filthy, called the words were mumble. Like the singer was trying to cover up the lyrics. They pulled it off of the air, called the pieces with So this is fantastic because. Mm-hmm. This song is about the history of the song they are covering. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So you get into this sort of meta commentary where the, the singer is talking about a song that his mom heard and his mom is telling him about it and then they're singing it and there's all these layers. So you tie in this idea of profanity, of violating social norms, of of words causing outrage, but also words causing tons of joy. Mm-hmm. So, so break it down for us, Christopher, if you could. Uh, was there any actual uh, validity to the rumors of obscenity in the Kingsman's Louis Louis? Was there was there any reason for the beef? Absolutely not, and totally. <laughs> here's, okay. Here's the last bit of extra credit that I'm going to give you guys. The lyrics of Louis Louis contained no obscenities, but the recording did. The drummer drops one of his drumsticks. And he shouts out an obscenity in the background. And it made it on the record. Nobody noticed. The <laughs> FBI didn't notice. And this is confirmed later in, in interviews with the drummer, in interviews with the band. They said, yeah, there's a bad word in there. And if you turn up the song, you know, you wouldn't know it at first. But if you know what you're looking for, you're going to hear an, a, a naughty word. Oh, wow. Man, just goes to show, like, misdirection is a hell of a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Not, not that either they were trying to misdirect anybody, but people were so caught up on the unintelligibility of the lyrics that their minds created this problem that just wasn't there. All from a couple of angry letters from uh, irate moms, and I think a dad as well. <laughs> yeah, and they and, went on to make a conspiracy. Yeah, it goes to show you can you can affect change by writing a letter mm-hmm. and... uh but maybe maybe you should. Maybe just don't. Yeah, yeah just yeah. let it go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christopher, though, uh, we don't want to uh, let this segment go. Thank you so much for coming on to Extra Credit. Thank you for appearing on our oh, show, it's man. It's so great to be here, you guys. And, and uh, you know, if it, listeners dig this, there are tons of other cover songs for Louis Louis they can dive into. There's mm-hmm. Joan Jett. There's a Barry White cover that I really, really wanted to play for you guys, but maybe we'll do that in private. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, um, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, that's it's Barry White. Yeah, that's true. I remember hearing, uh, it was actually on the Wayne's World soundtrack, I believe, a Robert Plant version mm-hmm. of it where, where he's, you know, singing in his classic Zep voice and, you know, just really wailing. And I couldn't understand the lyrics then either. Yeah, so. there's there's a lot of live versions of, of Zeppelin. Um, there's a great live Bruce Springsteen version oh, from yeah, a couple years ago. Yeah, there's that. a Smashing Pumpkins version, Noel. Mm, yeah. Well, I got to say, it's not that great. I, well, I can't <laughs> imagine it would be. And I'm also, they're dead to me. So, so at this at this point, um, 
to me, this is this is an historic moment for our show because, folks, Ridiculous Historians, you're finally able to meet the guy that we talk about so much, and I think he measures up to the hype. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Agreed. This is a lot of fun. So thank you, Christopher, for joining us. Um, thanks to our super producer, Casey Pegram, and Alex Williams, who composed our theme. Uh, most importantly, thanks to you for tuning in. If you had... 20% as much fun listening to this as we did recording it, then our work here is done. Uh, stay tuned and check us out our next episode where we explore the Albasis War, a 40-year conflict sparked by, and you guys know this is big for me because I always talk about feathers on camels' backs, sparked by... Feathers? A camel. Oh. <laughs> uh, so in the meantime, let us know what your favorite cover of Louie Louie is. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, where we are Ridiculous History or some variation thereof. Uh, you can also check out our community page, Ridiculous Historians. And Ben, maybe we can post some of these versions in that community group. Oh, I think that's a great idea. Perfect. See you next time, everybody. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways, rolling vineyards, and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.